Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Oliver Hartwig. I'm joined today in the studio by our chief economist, Eric Crampton. And we have a very special guest, and that's June Ransom. And June is the immediate past president of the New Zealand Association of Migration and Investment. She's still a spokesperson there. But she also runs her own company of immigration advisors, Woburn International, in the hut. So great to have you on the podcast, June. Thank you. We've asked you to be with us today because we have a few questions about migration. Everybody is complaining about migration. Everybody's complaining about immigration New Zealand. And a lot of our members, a lot of business people are complaining that it takes forever to get anyone into the country. And we hear the same stories about people trying to get their parents over for a visit. What is happening in immigration, June? Well, firstly, I'm going to take you back a step because everybody thinks it's immigration, but immigration really is the administrator of the system. The problems really are instrumental from both MB and the government and immigration are following their requests for how things should happen. Now, immigration themselves have been wrestling with staff shortages, huge staff shortages. Then they've got a brand new IT system, which is one big nightmare It breaks down constantly. It has non-operational days. And one has also got to question the logic behind introducing the opening up of brand new immigration categories and integrating them into a new system at the same time. So you do have absolute chaos because, I mean, With any IT system, you always have issues when it's new. Now, when we had insight that this new system was going to come about, and this is all part of the plan that was announced a couple of years ago that the government was looking at pressing a reset button on the whole immigration system. And COVID came along, which allowed for this window and so for them to introduce the new systems. Now, what happened then is they had insufficient staff, they had lost so many, and they have to get these people up to speed. And that's going to take at least two years. So my question really, John, was, What is it? Are we witnessing something that's induced by bureaucratic incompetence or maybe lack of staff? Or is this actually a political decision to slow down our immigration intake? It's it's all of those. It is all of them. And I think it's obvious that we're seeing that this government really does not want migrants. And, And they've so been very specific think- about that. Yeah, and it's it's they're making it more and more complicated and complex in the way in which things get processed. Could, could you give us maybe a practical example just to exemplify how these additional requirements work out in practice? Well, let's look at the new system that got brought in, which seemed absolutely fantastic, and that was the introduction of what they called the new 2021 residence application, and these were for people that really would not have had a chance 
of getting residence. And it was stated right at the very beginning that these will all be processed by Christmas this year. That's not going to happen. They still, they have not given us the new date, but we've been told that, oh, it'll probably be the middle of next year. When that one was announced, I was really hopeful that they would do something like that. It seemed horrible that they were sticking a lot of people who had stuck with New Zealand through lockdown into processes that seemed to be going nowhere for residents. But it's right at the outset when they'd announced it, they'd seemed to have layered on a lot of the same kind of process constraints that they'd had in the older systems. So where I would have hoped that they would have just had rubber stamp visas for everybody who was in the queue at that point and everybody who was legally here, it looks like they're still going through the same kind of lala, check your qualifications and all that stuff that had plagued prior systems and meant everything runs a little more slowly. Was that part of the problem that's caused the delays in getting the couple hundred thousand people through that system? Or is it just a lot more people than they were expecting? Or what's held that up? Staffing. They have not got enough staff with knowledge to handle it. But that's kind of endogenous, right? So okay, but what I mean by that, if you set a really, really easy procedural constraint where basically anybody who is here in the country legally during lockdown is just made permanent resident. That'd be one approach where you're not bothering with any checks because they were here and they were fine. The other approach is one that requires an awful lot more staffing. So conditional on deciding that you'd need a whole lot of process, well, you're going to need a whole lot of people and they didn't have the people. So it seems like it was a mistake in the first place to put this much process on it where they didn't have the people to handle it. They were being very optimistic, but they threw in extra things like verifications. And they're saying they're still gathering information. We don't know what gathering information they're including in that because they're not revealing it. It's all automated. And so when somebody might say to you, well, when did they start gathering this information? We don't know. But you see, what's not being told is those people that have got those applications in and as many families that have got young adult kids and they are really suffering because those kids are not allowed to go to work. They are sitting at home twiddling their thumbs. I personally had put a proposal directly in discussion with the minister in his office that they ought to introduce a type of working holiday visa for those kids. Because many of those parents, they can't afford to pay international fees. And the minister at the time, Chris Farfoy, said, look, I like that, we'll get on to it. Now, year and a half down the track, nothing's happened. But I, I questioned, and I've laid this on really thick, the mental health for those kids, because idle hands sitting watching TV, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Just a quick question then. You say there is a lack of staff levels at Immigration New Zealand. Yes. Uh, have you got any numbers for us on that? Because practically every other government department in Wellington over the last few years has expanded massively. What are the staff numbers at Immigration New Zealand? Well, they're looking at the moment for about 250 staff. It's a revolving door. It's about being able to retain those people. Is that because of the nominal pay freeze in the public sector? I think there could be a combination of things. It's not wouldn't be the 
easiest of environments to be working in. Is I that, know they're trying to be making improvements. Is that also a problem of the working from home culture in government now? Because I understand that some of these files, of course, you cannot easily take home. You could not easily work from home when you work on highly confidential immigration documents. Is that a problem for Immigration New Zealand? That was told to us initially, but I believe that they have been able to resolve that. Because, I mean, at the outset, they couldn't even operate their computers from home. Be because of these confidentiality reasons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the pandemic started about two years ago, so they should have actually found a way around that by now. Or maybe even bring them back to the office, heaven forbid. They never had a pathway for coming out of going through COVID. They honestly did not. I was very much involved in being instrumental for coming out with that pathway. I forged the industry key operations to merge together to start applying recommendations for consultation. And we brought this together because they needed signposts. They had nothing. New Zealand, of course, is not alone in dealing with a shortage of workers and actually trying to compete for international workers. I had a conversation just last week with the CEO of an IT company in Auckland, and he told me the story of two of his staff members, both IT specialists, both from Asia, trying to get their wives into New Zealand. They tried for months unsuccessfully, and then one of them had the brilliant idea of applying for a Canadian visa instead. And that visa was granted within three days. So guess what happens to that employee? Of course, they're leaving New Zealand now for Canada, where they can bring their wives in. Is that a story that sounds familiar to you? Yes, very much so. And I think Canada is one of New Zealand's major competitors for the uh, skills. Absolutely, because they're going out there, putting in place an attraction program of 1.3 quarters of a million extra people, migrants, to be in their country by 2025. So what do countries like Canada do right that we do wrong? They're giving all the aid for settlement support, for helping them through the visa process. It's everything that New Zealand is not doing. They're making it more straightforward, more streamlined. More capacity in the system? Yes, absolutely. You see, we've put extra complications in our system. You've got to bear in mind here that New Zealand immigration has run out of money mm -hmm. and they've got to get some from somewhere. And this new system that they've actually brought in, the accreditation process, there are three legs to this now. They call them gates. Two of the gates could be merged into one, but, of course, they're clipping the ticket three times. And it also it slows it down. It slows down the process. And we've heard so, a lot about that slowing down. I mean, in the case of the IT specialists I just mentioned, that took forever, months really, to get a visa. I had a conversation with another friend. She was trying to bring in her mother for a six-month parent visa, you know, where they can stay for six months, over three years, I believe. And she was told that would take five, six months to even process. Is, is that the typical kind of waiting time we're looking at these days? It can be. I mean, if... Uh, if these people are not going, are trying to do things on their own, they are going to run into complications because in many cases things need to be escalated. And, of course, the general public does not understand that. They don't know what to do. And that's why they actually do need help. And just another um, naive question. I mean, it, 
wasn't always like that. A no. few years ago, that would have taken just a few days or a few weeks. Correct. Correct. But you see, we've got the added complication that with this new computer system, documents that are actually put in vanish. They somewhere are in somewhere <laughs> floating around and they don't get there and immigration are acting on what they've got and suddenly you get stupid visas being issued with no finality dates and that can be on visitor visas. They don't see supporting documents. It could be to have incentives for the ability for the people to be able to stay. They've never seen anything. So there's more and more time firefighting by the industry and also by the public in trying to get things through because they don't understand what actually is happening. Very different from when we'd shown up in 2002, 2003. No need for an advisor. Immigration New Zealand was very customer focused. Going back a little bit, Oliver had asked what the difference was between Canada and New Zealand. I think fundamentally is that the Canadian government doesn't hate migrants and the New Zealand government does. Oh, correct. They welcome them. Look, Canada has actually recognised that it's migrants that grow the economy. And New Zealand seems to fall down on this. I know they have said consistently that they didn't want all these high numbers in because they haven't got the infrastructure and they take up too much in the way of housing. But that's been proven incorrect. Oh, yeah. And it's just... Uh, Look, we constantly have the argument given to us that it's we've got to have New Zealanders first, which is correct, but they seem to think that the school leavers and those coming out of university are going to have all the qualifications to suddenly step into these roles. They don't realise these people need training, and who's going to do the training? We need migrants, those skilled people, to actually train them. Yeah, and when you talk about training, there's other problems you get into, right, where the skilled migrant category, if you're on a two-year visa and you're not going to be looking at residence, you're on the stand-down period if you're going to have another skilled migrant visa. So the employer has less incentive to train you up. Or by, by the time they've got you trained up and you're doing a good job, it's time that you're kicked out of the country and you can't come back for a year. There have to be ways of solving this, but it takes a policy decision not to hate migrants and to let people stick around for a little longer and integrate. But there's all those sort of broader long run changes that seem necessary to fix the system. But in the short run, just trying to think about things that might make life here less terrible for those who are living here as migrants who aren't on a residence visa. And I've had a few that have come to mind to me and I was wondering if I might bounce them off of you and whether this sure. would whether this would hit some of the concerns that your clients are facing. The changes that were made to ban non-residents from being able to buy a house they never made much sense to me, but you could understand a political logic to them during the housing crisis. Now that you've got a slackening housing market and combined with just incredible cues to get your residence visa from a skilled migrant category, there would seem to be a pretty good case for changing the restrictions on the foreign buyer ban. So those who are here on any kind of work visa would be exempt from the buyer ban and would also have their kids be eligible for domestic tuition rates if they were at school. How much pain of the... I wish that we could wave a magic wand and fix immigration New Zealand so that they wouldn't be as broken as they are and they'd have the staff to fix it or that policy would change that they'd be able to process everything faster. But absent that, 
how much pain could we ease in the interim by making little changes like that? Well, the two-year stay in New Zealand and having residence before you can buy a house, there are things that they could be doing by these people building new houses and not buying existing ones. I mean, that's been put up. They've ignored that. The other side of all of this, like what you're talking about, is that these people coming in, they do want to get residence. And it's going through that process and knowing up front, have they got any chance? And it's all about meeting expectations because I think a lot of people, they are told a story and it's not necessarily truthful. And you are playing with people's lives and that seems to be lost. And people should know. There seems to be this mindset that New Zealand is the God's own. Mm -hmm. And whilst it is, in fact, a beautiful country, there are downsides here. And I do think that we should be welcoming the people that we need in this country by helping them as much as possible. And things like, you know, if they get the two-year visa, then they can get a work visa. At least they can get health paid for, but it's having the pain of not realising that until they get here. That's the problem. It's meeting expectations. Also, let's look at the medical profession, because, I mean, we're hearing every day about the, the shortage of the nursing. But you see, you even look at the doctors. I constantly get told that these doctors that actually come in here, a number of them, they are misled. And it's all about helping them to integrate. And they have said that they run into a lot of problems because they're quite advanced in a lot of their medical practices and their peers actually don't like it. I know a number from the States that have actually gone back because of this and they have wrestled with this and they said they never realised that they were going to come up against it. So there's a lot more that we actually could do. And it's like educating even our employers to help these people to make that adjustment because we, we really do need them. And you say, what can be done to help them adjust more? Well, allow them to build a new house, be given more transparency in what they are going to be able to achieve how they how long they're gonna wait and not just be told things like your documentation, it all takes time for verification, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes, but I think some of it's just dragged out. But all of these changes that you would like to see require political will. And you don't even see that in our current leadership. And I see you shake your head, but um, since we're on a podcast, what, what can you tell us about your interactions with politicians in this field? Well, we recently had a conference and the Minister of Immigration, Michael Wood, spoke. He spoke very well. But I did pose the question to him as to what undertakings would he give to the involvement of the industry professionals in the policy development. Because I said, we have spent hours in making submissions, recommendations, 
And I said, it's almost as if it's paid lip service. And then we are told, well, we have engaged. And it's obvious that that's not true. They just listen superficially to what we're saying and go off and do their own thing. They don't show that they want migrants. It's the same with the investor category. I mean, they've introduced this new one. That one where only one person applied. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, not all the requirements from New Zealand Trade and Enterprise has really been spelt out. But those people that had, in fact, got through under the old system, and I'm looking here, say, the 10 million, why can't these people come in and be able to buy a house? And the whole argument is, well, you haven't been in New Zealand two years. But, I mean, they've invested 10 million. They've done all the things right. But yet, no, they can't. So they've got to pay rent. But their money is working for New Zealand. Where's the logic? You cannot imagine someone sitting on more than $10 million to come into the country to rent. Of course, they would buy straight away. Well, they're not allowed to. Yeah, but I mean, it is idiotic to come even come up with a policy like that. It is idiotic. Absolutely. So... What is, in your view, driving this anti-migration sentiment in our politicians? What do they try to achieve with that? They're scared. I think they it's the growth of New Zealand. Look, it did go wrong. There were, in fact, prior to COVID, we did have people coming in that really were not going to be necessarily meeting the, the growth and the development of New Zealand of what we were wanting. We did have exploitation, but it wasn't as as high as what it's being made out to be. But you see, not everybody we want comes out of university with a degree. Look at the hospitality industry. I mean, they're crying out for people. And that's another area where these students or these young folks sitting at home with nothing to do, they could be working in the hospitality industry. But they are not allowed to do that. And if you oh, want to employ someone... Like yeah. that, you would have to have a certification first, right? That's right. And where's the sense in that? Why not use these people while their residence is being processed with their parents? I mean, it, it look, the whole thing is totally frustrating. It really is. There are a number of, not just the, the latest system that we've been talking about on the IT system, parent category, this accreditation side of things, that's the accreditation for employers. That seems to be okay. Immigration is saying they can process it in 10 working days. They're doing pretty good on that. But it's going through the next stages. Then we've got this other incentive where you've got these people who are in New Zealand and they're wanting to bring in their parents. Yep. You will have heard of the parent category. Yes. And they will have held their uh, lodged their applications three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting there waiting. Many of them, of course, are being made to go back to New Zealand rather than logically allowing them to have a visitor visa to be able to stay in the country, but no. And so you've got the kids here who have shown their investment as to what they're going to be paying to towards their parents coming here. And they have just announced 
a system whereby rather than cleaning up all these people that are in fact in this parent category, they could be sitting in that category for, oh, up to 2026. I would have thought the logic would have been would to be cleaning up the ones that are actually in the system because these children of theirs, they've been here, they've got their residence, they are making a valuable contribution to New Zealand. So what's the incentive for them to stay here when they their dream has always been for their parents to join them? Because this whole category has changed a number of times. But what they're bringing in now is the fact that they're embarking on a brand new system and it's encouraging new applications to actually enter into a special ballot and they're going to have 500 per year and then they're going to invite have 2,000 new applications after October 2022 and they're going to be selected in date order and it's estimated that some of the older applications in the pool, they're not going to be selected out into 2026 onwards. So it doesn't make sense. And this whole thing doesn't even start till August 23. So I mean, once again, there's a disincentive for the people that we have been, and they've been establishing their lives here, for them to be wanting to be in this country. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, the parent visa, that lets someone stay for 18 months out of a three-year period. Is that correct? No, no, that's the, no, no. Right. That's the one, what you're referring to is the multiple entry parent category. Yep. That allows them to apply for three years visitor visa, and they can utilize that with a maximum of 18 months and six monthly utilization yep. at any one time up to the 18 months. That was the one that I was thinking of. If that one is also being stalled, that means that people are having to apply potentially three or four times for a visitor visa yes. to come and see the grandkids rather than just yes. once. So when that gets held up, it's a real own goal for Immigration New Zealand because it forces them to process the paperwork three yes. or four times instead of just once. Yes. So it's just really weird, right? So if they've got a staffing constraint and a systems constraint, you would think that they would want to do the things that make it easiest for them in future, right? Like stamp this parent visa once yes. so that they can repeatedly enter and we don't have to think them about them again for another three years. That would seem the obvious thing to do, right? Not logical what they're doing. Well, not much of what you explained today sounded very logical. So in summary, we have a political class, a government that doesn't actually like migrants. We yes. have a bureaucracy that is understaffed, simply unable to cope. We have yes. a new computer system that doesn't work and makes yes. the bureaucracy's job hard. What reasons are there to, for hope? <laughs> Look, it will get better. When? I don't know. We've got an election <laughs> coming up. We have an election coming up. One must keep an open, positive mind. Look, we've always had challenges in this industry, always. But my biggest concern is the damage it's doing to New Zealand's image. It's the damage it's doing to the mental health of the people, of those that are here, because they don't know what their futures are. And that seems to really go out the window. They don't seem to realise that. And I know we hear about the mental health of the people working in immigration, 
because some of them really are given a tough time. But they've got to look outside and just see what they are doing to migrants, to employers. There are huge health issues that are occurring due to stresses. And they seem to be completely ignoring all of that. And final question, if I gave you a magic wand, what is the one issue you would tackle, say, now, rather than after the election, that would make a difference? Transparency. That's, that's there's so many things to raise the, wave the magic wand over. But I think it is, in fact, having some logic behind what is happening and having actual plan, action plan so people can see without bamboozling people with hidden things that keep coming out the woodwork, getting unnecessary letters coming saying this isn't happening to your application when the person who sent it doesn't know what they're talking about. I would like to see a more automated process. I would like to see human beings that you can actually talk to. But you said the one key thing. I think it's accessibility to the people you need to be talking to, but not to try and bamboozle people with science. Have a straightforward process and let them know we want you. We want you, migrants. That's the one thing. To get New Zealand to go forward, we want you, we need you. A straightforward process and a positive attitude towards migration. That sounds so simple, but it seems so far away. So thank you very much, June, for joining us. Pleasure. We wish you all the okay. best and we hope we'll see some change and some improvement over the next few months. Thank you. So do we. Thank you.